This episode brought to you by BRE Promotions. Whether you're just starting out or evolving your brand, BRE Promotions offers you expertly crafted disruptions that'll take you to the next level. BRE Promotions, we make your business shine. Visit us at brepromotions.com to schedule your free consultation. Hi everybody, this is Ron Moorhead and I'm very happy to be on a, a program here with uh, Brian and uh, in uh, uh, Nobody But Me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm responsible for the Sierra Sounds, uh, recorded in the 70s and uh, scientifically studied. So that's what we'll be talking about today, I think, and the anomalies associated with these beings. Hello ghouls, goblins, ghosts. Friends and families, this is Brian Bowden, and you're listening to Nobobumi, which stands for Nobody But Me. But we do have a great guest that's on today, and we're going to get to that guest in just a moment. I wanted to thank everybody for hanging in there. Um, Ron and I have been doing a lot of crazy stuff coming for the new year. You're going to enjoy every minute. That's the Crypto Guru. Uh, but this is my little broadcast, and we have someone who I think is a legend in this field, who's a forefather in this field. And he's put out uh, uh, his latest book is just, it's, it's perfect timing because it needs to come out, it needs to be stated, and we need to discuss it. And we can't sit back and just turn a blind eye to um, other theories and other, other uh, sciences that are taking place just because it doesn't fit into your you know, conceived notion of, of what... Sasquatch and Bigfoot should and should not be doing. So yes, we're going to go into that what they call the woo now, and but I think the woo is really the the truth. That's my opinion. But we're going to talk to uh, this gentleman who spent about forty plus years uh, investigating this cryptid and more, and we're going to get more information on that. And I'm very pleased to welcome the one and only Ron Moorhead to the broadcast. Ron, how are you doing today? And thank you for coming on. I'm doing great. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you asking me. <laughs> oh, wait, it's, it's, an, it's an honor. Um, as Wayne's World would have done, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, like, I, I, we were talking just prior to the show starting, and, and I, I grew up listening to your work and what you've done with the Sierra Sounds, um, which, if you haven't listen to it it'll be included the link will be included to ron's website you know for the sounds as well as where you can kind of get his books and everything about ron but um you have to listen to these because it's very important to that to understand that this is more than just an animal this is another species of intelligent uh beings um it's vocalizations and it's an actual language but before we get into that run if you don't mind some of our our listeners may not know who you are and, and what you've done and how you got to this point can you please give us a little bit of a background or a bio on yourself sure i was involved with a group of hunters back in the early 70s and we uh, in the sierra nevada mountains of california and uh, we were just hunters. We weren't looking for Bigfoot. None of us were. Uh, but these things started coming in at our camp during the night and uh, making these sounds. We'd go back out and bring tape recorders back, and we ended up recording them. In 1972, we brought an investigator in uh, via Ivan Sanderson, who suggested 
to Peter Byrne, who suggested Alan Barry, who was the guy we took in, and he ended up writing a, a book about it too, uh, with a co-author co with Ann Slate, and uh, about uh, he mentions a couple of the anomalies associated with these things up there, but he told me just stay away from that stuff because it, you lose credibility when you get out of the scientific parameters, you know. <laughs> and uh, so for years we didn't, but. Uh, I started doing it because it's what happened, and uh, really there's no explanation for some of the stuff that happened at the Sierra Camp. And uh, I, I did let David, I think I mentioned this to you before, uh, Pilates go in with this, uh, and he did a little skit on us uh, in this 411, the missing hunters, or 411, the hunted, there it is. And uh, he's the first one I've ever uh, taken into the camp to do something like this, and he did a real good job on it, I think. It's lasts about 12 minutes in there. But uh, anyway, I found out that our camp is the hub of a lot of uh, strange things. Uh, not just <laughs> strange things, but strange things. <laughs> I mean, um, we've seen homilies, lights, and different things like that up there. And a lot of people reported that. In fact, I interviewed a guy just this, this, this last summer who said he witnessed a UFO over this mountain, where I know it is very well, because it's only maybe, maybe uh, oh, 15 miles as a crow flies from our camp and uh, he was also a witness to a Bigfoot at the same time so I think there's a, a component uh, maybe with the UFO Bigfoot connection but let me say this up front Brian sure uh, I don't think they're all of the same genome now that the uh, military has came out and our government has acknowledged that UFOs exist well somebody's flying those things so something is responsible <laughs> for them so I if it's beyond our capabilities as a as a nation as a world uh, what's doing it? So I think aliens are acknowledged now, and so we can talk about that a little bit, I think. And maybe uh, if there is an alien component to these things, maybe that what gives them the attributes they have, which is just, it's not beyond us, but it's beyond what we see in our three-dimensional reality. So anyway, I, I started going to the Sierra Camp. We started doing this. We did this for a long time, these things coming in at night. And uh, messing with us, really. We thought we were studying them for a while there, because once we got into it, we were, this is a big foot. This guy's got a big foot, whoever these are. There's more than one, too, up there. And uh, anyway, it was uh, exciting. Uh, Alberry brought the professionalism into it, though. He was the one who fostered the studies at the University of Wyoming on the sounds that he recorded, that we was all recording. And uh, he also was responsible for a lot of things. That he, he, he's responsible for me being sitting here talking to you right now, <laughs> I'm sure. Because otherwise I wouldn't be out in the field doing this. But he passed away right. a few years ago. Became a good friend. He, we weren't friends really when when he was started doing this because he was looking for the hoax like a yep. good investigator would. And uh, so was uh, Ivan Sanderson. So was Peter Byrne. So were these people. They are looking for who's hoaxing these guys. Well... Nobody was hoaxing us. We, we kind of knew that because we're not dummies. We're, most of us were businessmen. We, we had things going on in the real world, and this up here was just uh, exciting, something different. So we started working with it, and it wasn't for years later till I... Al, Al had a master's degree in science. Al Berry did. And he said, whatever you do, don't talk about the strangest stuff that goes on up here. <laughs> but, you know, there has to be an answer for it. So he said, stay with science. Well, what science answers that? And the science of quantum physics answers everything in the universe. If you get into it and study it, these people who say you're in the woo, I say woo because I don't like that word anymore than anybody else Oh, does, I don't. But, yes. But it's, it's, uh, it's just the woo, the paranormal, the, the things you don't understand. It's just what you need to understand, how it works. And, and we're, we live in such a 
a small parameter of light, you know, which is the frequency of light. And like Nikola Tesla said, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. Well, you get into that and you start realizing how everything really works, how our telepathy works, how feelings work, how things happen, really, not just our three-dimensional reality, like like a touch, feeling, uh, you know, our, our uh, senses, basically. That's Newtonian physics. And uh, you got to get in. Uh, Newtonian physics is right. We live in it. We have to. That's why we. That's what makes us humans living in this Newtonian physics world environment. But when you get into quantum physics, you find out that mathematically there's been eleven different dimensions established by physicists worldwide. So this is what Einstein worked with, Tesla, Bohr, these different physicists from a while back. Um, they knew that. Newtonian physics does not answer all the questions that we have. How does your consciousness work? How do these things, how do you, how does telepathy work? How does any of that work? Well, quantum physics will tell you that. And you just got to get your head around the fact that you don't think you can handle it because you can handle it. If you, nowadays, they, they can explain it better than what they used to, you know. And I, I just watched a program the other day with uh, uh, Grover Krantz, who used to live right here on the West Coast where I live now. He passed away also, but there was a, a doctor on there with him that said, it's about frequency. That's how they can do things, because once you get out of your light frequency, you don't perceive what's out there. Yet there's a bunch of stuff out there. And so, really, I think they can change their frequency like this guy. I thought I was going to come up with that, but he's so <laughs> he said that years and years ago. Yes. And, and uh, I, I thought, and I see these professors out there going like this, you know, with it, and I thought, oh, you know, no. They just close-minded. They think, no, it's got to be an ape. It doesn't fit in that category, so yep. it's woo-woo. You know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's just misunderstood and, and not understood. Yeah, yeah and, and what's wonderful is, I'm going to bring this up here because I, I, I have two copies. I have this hard copy that I picked up, and I'm going to put it out there. It's your, your book, your latest, Quantum Bigfoot. Um, science and spirituality, and I think you you hit this on the the nail right on the head with science and spirituality, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of stuff that's spiritual, you know, that we've taken for granted this mystical invisible force that helps and heals us, has created the earth and these creatures and light and so forth. There there can be a little bit more scientific explanation for a lot of this, but it doesn't take away from how important spiritually this is, because I think on the spiritual side there's a little a lot more about love. And yes, we, we, you mentioned a, a ton of that in the book. But what I love the fact is how you put this book together. It, it's, it's not difficult. Don't let quantum or physics, you know, put anybody down. Don't get scared. Um, we're not going to test you on this later. But it's you put it together perfectly. Um, there are certain parts that I know that certain uh, individuals that that aren't really a science-based people, we're going to get a little bit tongue-tied in. But if you get the Kindle version, which I also have right here, <laughs> um, what's great about the Kindle version is if you don't know what it's, it's talking about, tap the word, they're going to give you a little bit more background on it. But mm. I, I can't thank you enough for this book because uh, prior to the show, I mean, for years, I've studied Bigfoot, and I've always thought, and I say this 99% of the time, that Bigfoot is just on the West Coast. Because all I saw was the Patterson film, right? And I'm like, there it is. Bigfoot's on the West Coast. I gotta go to I gotta go Pacific Northwest, hang out in the woods there for a bit, and I'm gonna see a Bigfoot. And little did I know <laughs> that um, there's a lot of sightings, a lot more sightings actually, where I am in the East Coast between Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, mm. going into you know just along the Appalachian Trail, and 
of course, I've had my own Bigfoot experiences, one of which resulted in the whoop sound. Um, three whoops, which I felt at that point was a signal and the reason why three we were three people there in the woods that this this Bigfoot was trying to get us out of that area. And I think because he wanted to get his family to come in. So he wanted to protect us. So he was trying to get us out. And when he got frustrated, he whooped three times, letting them know there's three of them. And then after a few minutes, he threw a rock at me. Um, but that didn't work either, so we stayed our ground. So they must have found a different way of getting around. But the whole, when I heard those whoops, and I was explaining to Ron before, and, my you know, that resonated it just went right through your body it's kind of like being in a concert and um you just hold when you hear the bass you, your whole body vibrates it's very powerful and um this is where i thought about the the infrasound really kicked it in for me at this point because th there's a feeling you can feel the pressure building up as this thing kind of get kept getting closer and closer and that's something i want to ask about you when you're in the camp when you first started and I'm assuming at this point they're kind of used to you or they're like, oh, it's them. Okay. I'm sure they know what your smell is, your scents are for the people that go up to your camp. Um, but when you first started, did you feel like this, like a pressure building when they were getting closer, um, anxiety or stress or strain? Because I noticed that in our event, that's what happens. It's almost as if there's like a... Like, um, like the rain's going to come. When it, when it rains, you can kind of feel the pressure building up. And then once the event was over, it dissipated as quickly as it came. So I was wondering, uh, you know, when you started first researching this and saying, hey, um, there are these Bigfoot things here. Let's go play, you know, let's go see what they are. Did did they, did you get fear? Were you, I, and, I, and this is not because men don't, aren't fearful. I'm not trying to degrade that. But I know that, like, I'm a pretty tough guy, but when you have something that's that big in the area and you know it's that big, you kind of uh, you know where your place is in the universe. <laughs> well, I, I can say this about that. We were all anxious when we started going back up there because you want to know these things are going to come back or are they just passing through. Well, they were coming back, and uh, they were taking food we left out. They were looking at our deer we hung up, and uh, they were just, uh, during deer season, obviously, we didn't shoot off season. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was uh, you have a little anxiety, but it's all, it was more exciting, because in those days, uh, I was 29 when that started with me in 71, and really... Uh, uh, I thought I was invincible. I mean, I was in good shape. I, I you know, you think you're top of the world, right? Then right. nothing's going to bother you. And uh, this thing couldn't bother you a little bit when it starts, but then you realize uh, they're not coming in the shelter, which we were inside a shelter when they started doing this at the beginning, and uh, they didn't break through the shelter. Of course, we're all armed. We're hunters. We had yep. powerful side guns with us too. So we would might have been all been deaf, but had they broke in there, we would have unloaded on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and what kind of an idiot would be out there in a monkey suit trying to do all this stuff? Um, we we knew it wasn't that anyway right off the bat because you see these huge tracks and there's no other signs. And you, you, you keep trying to trick them, too, after so long. You're trying to rig up threads for a camera trap. You're trying to make things happen to trick them. And they were always a step ahead of us, you know, like they knew what we were yep. doing. Uh, so, you know, that kind of gives you pause to think, well, these things are smart. You know, it's not just a, a smart animal out there. It's something a little bit more. 
And now that time has passed, and I mean, we're talking about close to five decades now, I've been involved in this in 1971, and, and anyway, it's uh, it's been quite a venture for me, and still is, I, I'm having fun with it, and that's what you got to do, is, is just relax with it, and, and do what you think is right, and this is what I think is right, and writing that book, The Quantum Bigfoot, is what I wanted to do for a long time, and uh I know when I've talked to a couple scientists who I'm sure you know uh, about it, they say, well, don't get into quantum physics. You know, well, because everybody thinks it's in the micro world, you know, the little yeah. world below us or you know, something. No, it's a law. And a law is a law. And it works throughout the universe. So it's not just the micro world, but it's in the macro world, too, which we live in. And you just have to understand that. And that's a fact, by the way. I'm not just giving my theory on that. It's there. It's there for everybody. We have consciousness. And Newtonian physics does not explain consciousness. It just explains our three-dimensional three environment. So I guess I'd get off track, too. So just straighten me up. <laughs> no, but it, 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 this is going to be an interesting <laughs> show because we are going to get a little bit off track, each one of us. And it's not purposeful. It just, that's how complex um, and how all-encompassing uh, physics is and, and how it plays in every aspect of our lives. And mm -hmm. we don't even realize it. Um, people, you know, people are coming to realize it now. Um, you know, they, they, they all, it's usually, uh, smell, taste, touch, hearing, you know, that was basically your senses. Well, there's more to that. You vibrate and you don't even realize you're vibrating. You give off an aura, you give off electricity. Um, a lot of times it, it's, you know, people feel it when, when you get into a place and, and like your stomach gets upset because you know a test is coming or some strange event's going to take place prior to the event, you know that's your that's your third eye. We're going to get into third eye too. Um, it's all relative, and we're all bound to these laws and the way these things operate. Um, but I was just amazed that you know you've been doing this and going up to this camp for so many years. And one of the things that blew me away because I've heard about this, but I've never I've I have yet to see one. Uh, the closest I got was about eight eight nine feet tall. And it was literally um, within, I don't know how the big the plane of glass was in my bunk, but that's how what separated me in this thing. Huh. It was at night, 3, three in the morning. Um, I was up in the uh, northeast corner of Connecticut and know the place. I'm not afraid of the dark. And I got up to use to have to use the, fa the facilities. I knew my counselors were back from the town. It was a sleepaway camp because all the lights are off. When they come in, they shut the lights off because the kids are sleeping. So it's 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 about three in the morning because um, and I had to go to the bathroom. And I was just about to get up and I kind of like looked out the window. I smelled skunk, which is normal. I'm like wow, that stinks. And I look out the window and in the window is this big giant monkey head. It looked like a giant monkey. Um, mm -hmm. And at that point, I didn't move. <laughs> I froze in my bed because I was on the top of this double decker. He was right. His his head was right by where my feet were. And after a while, I slowly backed out and I eventually had to go because nature calls. But it was what it was. And um, I must have forgotten about it. Uh, but my buddy who also investigates, he brought up his, his stuff. And I, when I researched the area the same summer, there were two sightings at the reservoir, which is butts up against our camp oh. right there. So I'm like, okay, I'm not, I wasn't crazy about, you know, what I saw. Um, but you had this print that you guys found in your camp that you've got to talk about 25 and a half uh, that was huge yeah that's, <laughs> that's the biggest one we found yes and i didn't talk about that one for years just because 
It's unbelievable. I mean, the stride on that thing it was 13 feet between these steps that we were tracking. 13 feet, and you just got to do the math on that because it's. <laughs> you, you, it's saying, and then I've, since then, though, I've talked to people that said they swear they saw King Kong, you know, walking around. Yeah. Well, my question was, how does something that big stay so elusive? How does it stay out of our sight? Well, you get into physics, and you can see why you don't see. <laughs> Exactly. There's so many things that are there that you don't see. So how can these things go from matter to to energy? And I want to back up just a little bit with sure. what Nikola Tesla said. He said, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. You mentioned that a minute right. ago. Well, at our most minute level of existence, we are energy. You get way down in, into us and who we really are. We're all made of energy. We're all really one, but we're... We're thinking we're separate right now, but we're really not. Uh, and uh, animals are sense this, you know, like a flock of birds going together. They're not talking to each other. Fish in a spool, they're not talking to each other. They're just moving in sequence. Well, we're all one, too. So these things are one, and they can quantum entangle you, I call it in my book. And that's, a lot of people say that's mind speaking. Well, that's a woo-woo thing according to science. You know, you can't mind speak. Well, Come on, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's just it's just a lack of thinking about it because, or looking into it because it exists. I mean, they've got telepathy happening all the time with human beings, and why is that such a big thing? I mean, you can sense somebody's <laughs> going to call you, and all of a sudden the phone yes. rings, and it's that person calling you. You know? Yep. Well, how does that work? It's because of, and it's just phenomenal. You know what? Yeah. What really is existing that we don't perceive with our with our perception, and that's because we live in a three D environment, and uh, we're we're in that we're in that world, and uh, we we have to live in it. That's what makes us human. And uh, once you get out of that, because according to Stephen Hawkins, energy cannot die. For Einstein, energy doesn't die; it just changes form. <laughs> right. I got to wonder with a little statement here. <laughs> Einstein said he was asked one time, "What's it like to be the smartest man in the world?" You know what he said? Ask Nikola Tesla. <laughs> he was right, so, by the way. <laughs> so Tesla is one of my idols, you know, yes. from, from looking at what he's done. And I wasn't into any of this before I started researching how Bigfoot may have, how this could work. What, what law in science really governs what's going on that I've witnessed and the others of us have witnessed too. And we're not all, we weren't on high on anything up there. We weren't drinking. We weren't doing anything other than just a nice sober camp. And yet, you had all these anomalies happening. You know, you hear what you think is a herd of horses coming down towards you, and there's no horses doing that. There's times when, uh, like I say, I, I thought I heard a car door slam outside the shelter, and it's eight miles in the wilderness up there. There's no cars. I mean, you can't even, yep. you can't even take a motorcycle up there. Most of you can't even hardly get there. It's really, in fact, that the hunt at 411 talks, uh, he shows what it takes to get into that camp, because he had no idea either until... He made that eight-mile journey. We had five pack mules and riding horses just to get in there, and uh, it's it's no easy trek. And uh, and for someone to try to pull this off on us up there, which a lot of people, well, I can make those sounds. Well, I challenge anybody <laughs> in the face of this planet to try to duplicate those sounds naturally, like these things were. And according to Professor Curlins, the University of Wyoming, they they. They're outside the human range, they're inside the human range, they're below and above it. So they can make any sound, I think, with their advanced vocal mechanism that they would choose to make. If they can make this, the frequency sound that changes their matter into energy or takes, us out of, takes it out of our 3D perception, that would, that would answer the cloaking thing that you're talking about. Because, yep. uh, you know, it just happens. And we've been frozen up there, and I thought it was infrasound at the time. Infrasound's below the human range. You, know, right. you don't hear 
but you feel it. Ultrasound is a higher frequency. And, you know, you can change a, a piano note high enough, enough octaves high, it changes into light. And people don't understand that stuff. It's simple physics, and it's just it's a proven fact there. And there's just a lot going on that people need to try to understand and not just call it a woo-woo camp or he's over there and the blah, 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 blah. No, these things are more than they're a, they're a hybrid of some type, and i got to say this, too. They're not all the same. I said that before, I think. And yep. I think that's because now I can talk about UFOs and aliens. And, and how many different types of aliens do you think has ever been on this planet and could be here now? <laughs> what, what have they done with the genome of uh, primates and with dogs, with animals of any kind? Could that be the answer to Dogman? Could that be the answer to Bigfoot? Could it be the answer to a lot of things? Yeah, it could be, because DNA can be changed, altered. We can do that now with our technology. And what could an advanced race of beings do? And this also goes back into biblical history with the Nephilim. It goes back into uh, Greek mythology with Zeus, with all these demigods that they talk about. And if you start looking at that stuff, uh, you realize that this is part of our history. And why is, why is classical science ignoring that? you got modern science, which is quantum physics. And why don't they bring that into their element of study and the consideration? They don't do it because they say, well, that's, no. no, no just. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. It doesn't fit in our box. It just doesn't yeah. fit in our box. So we're get get out of my office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's you know it's it's funny what you mentioned because I was eventually going to ask you about um, the other cryptids that are out there the the hot one right now is also Dogman, um, and the fact of the matter is that there's so many things that that this covers and the quantum side covers and it's not part of the mainstream, and I, I just for the life of me I don't understand if you're a researcher or an investigator. And I'm speaking directly to anybody that's a research investigator, and I know a bunch of them that went against this, the woo-woo. Um, how can you limit your pool of information to research and investigate by putting exactly. blinders on? You see, if you have blinders on, you can only see straight ahead of you. And the road curves. So you're going to get to a point where the road's curved. Are you going to go off the cliff? Yeah, you have to open up to it. And, and the only thing I state and I stress is because... You have to have this. You have to have a list of hypotheses. And you start with all these questions. And I, I've had the questions. And you, when you guys went up to that camp the first time, like, what the heck's going on here? And then they build questions. And you test theories and whatever. This is called science. Um, and also curiosity. I always find the following. Just when we think we're getting to a point where we're going to follow, you know, solve this mystery, something comes out of the blue and just brings you back to square one. And I think <laughs> if you use a basis of quantitative information physics and you can get the idiot's guide to physics and it all starts fitting in and when you mentioned when i'm reading this book and i knew a lot about physics also because i did study it in school but i didn't go to physics become a physicist because i would be in one of those woo-woo camp places and you just don't make money as physicists there's nothing that i'm going to be out there to do to make you know they don't need me i mean for the most part um but i still have an interest in it and i still have a science background when you started talking about how the DNA can be manipulated and changed and altered and healed, and how we, we really, in, in this Western world, we focus on 10%, and we do this cut, and we take out the bad stuff, we put the new stuff in there, whereas when you got, you know, I, I, you informed me about the two Russian scientists and that are able to take this, take the DNA or, or what they want to cure and heal and, and give you, and be able to focus it with lasers, 
your DNA can heal itself. You can, in theory, correct me if I'm wrong, if you, if I wanted to lose a ton of weight right now and have the physique of an athlete or the perfect, you know, physique health-wise, I can program it into a, that, that, a machine, get into a certain state where, where I'm maybe on the um, theta waves or the, uh, or the alpha waves, I think it is, where, where I'm, I'm focused, and they can literally beam this into me. My DNA will actually get it, repair itself to that, that line of what I wanted, and you'll change your whole entire physique. Your body will start to change. Your body will heal itself. We have the ability to cure our own sicknesses, and we're not doing it because we're being bombarded with things that are being hidden from us or pushed away by mainstream scientists. It doesn't fall out. No, no, that's that's no, that's that's science fiction. This is real science. When, when in fact we can do things that'll blow your mind. So when I read that, and if you know anything about the UFOs. Uh, Ron, uh, how abductees are talking about how they're in like a hypnotic state and they're just shown this video and it just kind of plays and they come back and somehow they're writing these equations and they only have fifth grade level math. It's because they're doing what, what you just put in this book, in this quantum book right here. When you start talking about how the, the professors over and the scientists in Russia were doing that's how they're doing it. That's how, you know, you can program anybody, you can program all the information, every book ever written, and you can put it and you can focus it into your body or, or your DNA, and you'll get it. And it'll be stored there as if you've read every book there. Mm -hmm. So when, when, we, when you come up and you see these anomalies in your camp, and you have the lights in your camp, um, it explains a lot about why there may be aliens there. I mean, mm -hmm. am I wrong? Uh, you know, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, what we witness up there, there's no explanation in our, in our, in our Newtonian thinking that, that can explain that. Uh, how does something? Well, I thought I saw. A, I guess I got. I called it a UFO because it was controlled, and this was way back in the 70s. First, first sighting I had of a, of a, blue ball coming down from the sky. Very slow, very manipulated. It's huge. And I mean, it wasn't like an little orb or something. It was huge. I lost it behind the trees there at the camp, and that's that begins. Wow, that's going on here. You know, that's uh, unidentified, and it was flying. <laughs> so there you go. But somebody's operating at those things, and it has to be an advanced intelligence, something that uh, that we just don't have access to at this time. And a lot of things you're mentioning, I think we can do within ourselves. We don't need some doctor manipulating our DNA. I think we can change our own DNA with our consciousness if you just learn how to meditate and get into it. Get yourself out of the way and start allowing this energy that we're all connected to to do its work. Right, and so speaking of which, when you, in your 45 plus years of, of doing this research up in Sierra and where you go, your, your camp area, do you bring some of these new theories, like like when you started learning some of this, you know, the quantitative side? What have you, what have you brought to back to the camp and maybe put into play to see, um, do a little experimentation without, you know, getting them angry for the most part? <laughs> <laughs> well, two years ago, uh, I took my wife up there and we we uh, had another gentleman with us and we watched this light, elongated light. I talk about this in the four one one of David Pilates, but. He did a real good reproduction of that. Uh, a light just go right by our tent. We were in a tent, and a real bright moonlit night. I mean, it's just right after, right after dusk, and whatever this was was glowing, and it was definitely going between the trees. And 
that's just another thing. But that's the most recent thing because that's the last time I was up there too. But no, it wasn't. I was up there last year with David. Excuse me. Uh, but that's because nothing happened when I was up there with David in this film. But that's not unusual either. <laughs> you take somebody up there that's going to exploit this thing, and I told David, I said, you know, chances are nothing's going to happen when you're up there. Plus, very smoky, very smoky from the fires going on that summer, and and uh, we was up there for a full week, and it was just a uh, a good trip, uh, really good trip and uh the two years before that is when we seen this lightsaber light going by us and it was really slow we watched it for quite a while really and i you don't know what to think about you don't know if this thing's going to come in there and kidnap you or change your dna or what they're <laughs> going to do you know yeah. so you're, you're sitting there just wondering well what what's going to happen so you can't do nothing but sit there some people say well i've been out there in a heartbeat well you can't just get out of there i mean especially yeah. at night you anybody it'd be ludicrous to try to get out of that area at night going through eight miles of woods like that is and easy to get lost in fact some of the guys that went up there for years would get lost if they came in there after dark and they, we'd shoot the gun three times so you'd try to answer them back so they could find the camp you know? we're over here <laughs> yeah uh, i can uh, imagine um yeah. and what you know what, what's great about this and i love the fact that you're it is so remote and you have to go through a lot to get to it that you're not just going to get some young kids or somebody that's going to hear this go hey let's go out to those woods we'll go find his camp it's like, yeah, good luck finding the camp. You know, you have to really trek in there and know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also to your advantage, right? I mean, being in there, yeah. it, it kind of aided to the fact that, like, I, I would assume this is, like, where Bigfoot would be hanging out, you know, for the most part, or making his or Well, we weren't, his, again, we weren't looking there. for Bigfoot. But, yeah, right. it's, a, it's an area where there's food, there's plenty of food, uh, all kinds of food. There's a lot of bear, there's a lot of deer, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the elements of the forest there. And uh, water, that's important water and there's a spring two springs right there by us uh it's where the water starts 8400 <laughs> feet sea elevation wow and uh we have to go in uh goes 10,000 feet just up and down different terrains to get there and uh it's the camp has been there since the 50s so it wasn't like we built the camp i, I mean the warren and lewis johnson had been going in there since uh, 58 i think it was hunting very pristine area very very beautiful area really I mean, if I was a Bigfoot, that's where I'd want to be. I'm not a Bigfoot, and I still want to be there. <laughs> I hear you. I know. you're. I'd rather be at the camp there as well. I mean, it'd be, it'd be very interesting to be that close to nature, be it in, in that area. We have, we have spots like that on the, on the East Coast, but um, it still would lo- I'd love to come out to see, see that location. Um, not for the faint of heart, but I'm fine with that. Uh, but did you ever try... Um, bringing any type of vibration or resonance or something that brings tones um, with you when you went to the camp. I know it may have been uh, relaxation and, and hunting, so you don't want to make too much noise. But after a while, did, did was there any interaction musically um, with uh, these, these uh, creatures? Uh, no, we, we've tried everything up there, I mean, just about. But uh, after they got going with this, because this went on for a few years. It, it wasn't just one or two times during one summer or something. So, um, uh, again, it's got to be their term and their t- their terms and their time. You can't make something happen. They're either going to like your vibration, and we all have a vibration frequency, and they can read that, I think, and either join it or not. And uh, they, for some reason, who knows why they, they dealt with us. And... Uh, for some reason, we they let us capture their vocalizations, and uh, you know most people just talk about a scream or a yell. But I've had a lot of people tell me, well, "I heard sounds just like the Sierra sounds up here in Canada or someplace." And and okay, 
but they're not out there with recorders. They just heard them. Right. Like you heard the whoops, but you didn't record them, did you? <laughs> uh, you know what? We, we, we had everything there, but at that point, things just, it was an intense moment. Our recorders stopped working. Mm. Um, we, uh, once it was over, everything started working great. So, happens. and that's a very important fact. That happens a lot more than you know, and that may have to do with these creatures drawing energy um, to able to manifest what they need to do uh, from the environment. One of the things Tesla mentioned, because he is one of the greats, is there's unlimited energy throughout, just in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could literally re- recharge everything. You, it, it's unlimited. You could recharge your cell phones, your batteries, but... Um, they're never going to come out with that because you can't charge people for it. Um, so these Bigfoots, uh, um, see them pulling energy from uh, our equipment because we had a ton of different cameras there. We had we had full spectrum. We had um, FLIR, infrared, um, and, and a variety of different type of materials to see this creature. We got nothing initially on. We got nothing from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, after it whooped, it left. We went up to the spot where we felt it was was that we had to turn the lights on otherwise we would have went blind with with sticks nothing a little bit later on we did someone pointed out in some of our photos and i've seen these photos a thousand times what looks clearly to be um it looks like a conical head and it looks like a giant monkey um sitting there in one photo and in another photo we have something that has pointy ears and looks like a snout it looks like a, a german shepherd um Later on, about a year after that, we went back to, a little bit less than a year, we went back to that location during the day, and that's when we discovered a den, and what looks like it was in, in a swamp, and there was definitely pups in there that looked like German Shepherds, they were growling, and something extremely large, with one eye shown, and the face, not very pretty looking, was there as well. Um, but, thank God the, the swamp, you couldn't step into it, because th- that could have been the choice between uh, one of us getting killed and eaten, and because you're now, now you're moving into um, young territory, and when you get near a parent with their young, whether it's a mom or a dad, not a good move. So, Correct. Right. <laughs> Correct. Well, I was, you know, I was interested. You, so there, you guys in camp, and you, you know, of course, you have firearms on you. You have long rifles. You have sidearms. It's, you know, it, it's very interesting that they still came that close because I'm sure they know exactly what those are. Um, I'm sure they do, but we only carry the the long rifles during hunting season. We carry our sidearms up there when we went the other times during the summer and right. late spring when we could get in after the snow melt. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, they do, I think, know what your intentions are by your aura, and we all give out energy, and they can read that. So I think it's what's inside of you. We weren't malicious. We weren't trying to shoot at them. They weren't trying to attack us, and uh, so we all just kind of started having fun with it. I did, anyway. Al Berry was still up there, serious, trying to find who's fooling who, you know. <laughs> Where's the zipper? Where's the yeah. zipper? And yeah. I think at one time or another, he accused each one of us of uh, pulling something off, just to try to see if he could get a reaction. He's a good writer, too. He thought, well, every story has to have uh, antagonist somewhere, you know, something's <laughs> wrong. And he couldn't yep. find anything wrong with this other than he couldn't find out what it was. And yet you have people that question in his investigation. Well, a few years later, I took up a, a wildlife biologist who, who had also had an encounter, and he was uh, summoned by actually, uh, well, me, but Alberian, uh, by a scientist back east who said, you know, you need some verification that there hasn't been any trickery going on up there. Well, okay, just because he's got the credentials to study that, you know, like, right. 
Like, they're not going to believe anything until you get that part out of the way. <coughs> Excuse me, but he went up there, dug around. His name was Joe Hauser. He owns the Montana Vortex now because he got into this really heavy because he, he's experienced some unusual stuff there. And uh, anyway, uh, he dug around looking for hidden wires, looked on the trees, any signs of nails or could have hung the speakers because the sound of these things is so huge. There had to be something amplifying them, if it, you know, besides a lung, if you're going to get into just Newtonian physics and stay with it. Uh, but really, then we, I question myself now, later in years, uh, why we didn't see them more often, because we only got glimpses of them here and there. And I only got one glimpse one night, and it was a fast one, but it was when this thing was yelling at us behind it, and there was two more down here, and it went through the trees like this, and that's what I seen it just so fast, and so fast, you can't unfathomable how fast these things can go as big as they are oh yeah well anyway uh you, you you question what what answers all this stuff up there what answers how they do what they do well i think i'm on to the edge of the answers you know and and i'm happy about it really it's, right, it's, I, it's a fun thing i i really do it, it, it's it's a tough tough topic for a lot of people today and i know people that want to talk about this but they can't and you know what what you bring with this book is is not only just the physics side of it and and try to put the the science and spirituality together to explain how this these creatures and yes it should be these creatures because we're talking about something um i think there are multiple species of the same things or derivatives of these and uh, someone came up recently with like a, a like four or five different type of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. I think it's Bigfoot 411 had uh, a chart of, well, there's this one, there's that one, there's more aggressive. Kind of like what they do with Dogman. I know that there's difference in, in these creatures because of the reports that you get from all over the country. But one of the things that blew me away was the, um, can, you, like, can we go into a little bit of, about the Air Force gentleman that came in and started talking about listening to your tapes um and the language i think his oh, name was scott, scott nelson scott uh, maybe yep. yeah he was yes. uh, retired from the oh. navy as a, as a crypto Ooh. linguist i apologize i know how you guys are serious about that i'm not gonna uh, my fault with the, uh, the air force <laughs> that's all right <laughs> we're all on the same side i think <laughs> we are but they get a little territorial <laughs> talk about big no, he he uh he transcribed the language of the sounds so this is after dr crow had already established there was no manipulation no speeding up no slowed down no nothing these sounds are, are genuine really and uh it wasn't years later when a lady named uh, nancy logan got a hold of them and she said she challenges anyone to try to duplicate this these sounds cannot be duplicated they're just too fast on the same level if the tapes haven't been manipulated haven't been slowed down haven't been played with at all and they dr curlin did a year-long study and established that those tapes were genuine you know what was there was real when when those 60 cycle hum which would have given them into to being pre-recorded re-recorded they weren't altered the speeds wasn't altered so anyway all that was established scientifically and then you get nancy logan listened to him and she said she challenges anyone to try to duplicate the other here I don't know if you can put his name out there or not, but I just got a text yesterday that someone said Joe Rogan said he could duplicate those sounds. <laughs> well, well, I challenge him to do that. I, I challenge him too, Joe. You if know, you're, if you you're can't listening. do it with with your own ability. You cannot. Plus, you got one of them stepping on the other one. How do you do that unless you got two people doing it? You know, and first of all, they have such an advanced vocal mechanism. I mean, you got to believe they have more than two vocal cords, like we just have two. 
they do something because they can get an infrasound, ultrasound above it. Um, we were talking about um, the infrasound and, and the um, the Fair other much. sounds that the the ultrasounds. Yeah. At this point. Well, and, ultrasounds, you know, as far as dog can hear, but you can't hear it. You know, it's way right. up there. And uh, uh, if if they can change their vibrational frequency to from matter to energy, and that's what you. And by the way, in this. I want to go back to this again because I'm going to push this a little bit. This 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 film here that David put out right after my segment is another interesting segment which you, you got to pay attention to because it's just it's just what I've heard so many people tell me about. It's what I uh, very close to this one person that saw this uh, thing like a predator. They call it the predator, and that it's like a predator look where they. You just see pixelated movement going through from one spot to another. And uh, you get a lot of reports like that, plus people saying they saw them disappear. Well, they just went out of their perception because they can change their frequency to go out of our perception. We just see within this light frequency. By the way, a camera will pick up more than your eyes will. Yes. That's why some people get this stuff on camera, but they don't, they don't see it with their eyes, but they look at the film later and, hey, there's something there. Well, a camera will see more 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 frequency than our eyes do yeah so. it, this is one of the things when i mentioned before when um people try to do these experiments with the um the the uh i guess the the hunting cameras and why sure, they don't yeah. catch anything on it and you got to understand that this creature is not more a lot more nocturnal than than you know others and he can see that uv light it's like a beacon in the middle of the forest so that's the reason why he's you know he doesn't just walk up to it. I mean, I wouldn't walk up to something that looks like a laser beam and go put my head in there and go, what is that? <laughs> well, I think they can sense the energy from it. They, plus, they know. You know, you can't, you, you're just not going to trick them. They're, they're aware of right. what's going on. And I, again, some of them may be a relic hominid, like uh, Dr. Meldrum says, and just right. evolved right on up. But something still gave them all these attributes that humans have. We know they have a language of their own, a very complex language, according to Scott Nelson. And, uh, and, you know, you, they got a, the people I've interviewed for 40, 50 years now, uh, they say they have a very human look to their face. I interviewed a couple of correction officers one time, and they was going into Yosemite, and they seen this thing walk along, and, and uh, they said they thought there was just a man on the other side of the highway there for a minute, and they, as they got slower and looked at it closer, they walked right across in front of them and stood there and watched them drive by. And he said they'll never forget the look on that thing's face. It was... Had to be four foot wide in the shoulders, eight foot tall at least. But the look on his face was just leave me alone. Very disgusted look, like don't mess with me. Right. And, and you hear a lot of reports about the expressions these things have, and it's it's not a fear. They don't fear us. They're not afraid of getting. You know, they're not afraid of us. They they think that we think we're smarter than them. You know, and we right. do. We think we we're the, we're the top of the food chain here. But I'm not so sure about that. Uh, we we take a lot for granted with our little bubble we live in. Yeah, we we and, definitely do take it a lot a lot for granted. By the way, yeah, let me say one little thing sure. about about something. I I write in my back of my book, very back of it, bringing science and spirituality back together, because they didn't used to be separated. Because even Tesla and Einstein were, quote unquote, religious, but they were—they knew there was more going on. There was a spirit or something going on. So, it's trying to bring it back together and trying to get uh, mainstream science to acknowledge that science, quantum physics, and it is a science. Get them right. to acknowledge that that area and not just think it's off in the woo-woo camp somewhere. Because 
unfortunately, uh, it's it's been taken from here's a these people over here that just it's got to be a relic hominid only over here, or <clears throat> they're spiritual and they go to church on Sunday, you know, something like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, no, they can be together. I, I think uh, there's a lot of them have been diluted down from crossbreeding, which means they have 23 pairs of chromosomes. Right. Uh, and if they've been crossbreeding, that would uh, cause the dilution factor, I call it, which brings them more human-like, more and more human-like as it goes on and on over the eons. And they've been here for eons. There's nothing nothing really strange and new about this. Now, some of them may have just gotten here. Who knows what's messing around with what out there in the alien world? <laughs> Big phenology. Right. Exactly, exactly, because... Uh. You know, we, we have a lot of history of the uh, native or First Nation people in this in this country um, talking about these cre- creatures, and they said that they're guardians or spirit or of the of the woods or the or the mm-hmm. the elements, and you know, so the, the history of this this creature, and I, I use the term creature because we don't know you know where it really lies in in the um, in the in the way of of cataloging the species or. Um, they talk about this a lot. Have you ever met up with um, anybody on the native side that's oh, a lot. talked about this a lot? A lot, yeah. The, the, most of the tribes, the people that, uh, they, they want to just leave them alone. They say they are people. I call them beings now instead of creatures. I just, unless uh, I have beings? to say the word beings. Sure. Unusual beings, whatever they are. They're just beings. They're like people. They have a consciousness. They, they're, in my, in my idea, the ones I encountered up there are sapient entities, and they were not human. So right. something's going on there, hybridization going on, hybridization program may be going on with the alien intervention into genomes of different entities. And anyway, uh, yeah, Native Americans say they live in two worlds. What's that, that you know, it, it, <laughs> Two worlds. Yeah. I think they live in the fifth dimension. We are, we are in our third. We're advancing to the fourth, and hopefully someday we'll be spiritual beings, which we all will be when we die, we get into another dimension. Uh, religions might call that heaven. I was raised, as many were, in, in religious circles. So I, I kind of brought the biblical terms into a lot of the things I say, because if you just read the red letter edition, and read what Christ never said, worship me. He said, follow me. And right. if you just get into the red letter and start saying it, reading what he's reading or what he's saying, um, it, it gets right into the laws of quantum physics. That's how he did, I think, his miracles. And that's what gets me divorced from religion is right. because I have had, I've had some religious people just say, hey, you're off the rocker here. They won't even <laughs> talk to me anymore. They actually defriended me because they thought that was wrong to say there's something going on besides, hey, here's the big one thing. Hey, I'm going to part the sea or something. But right. anyway, uh, they, <clears throat> it, if you look at the laws and what he did, he was using the laws of quantum physics. His statements just fall right into the things I'm saying. That's why I try to bring them together because you got that rule going on. Other people have done miracles too, besides him, you know, and and uh, they've using the laws of quantum physics. And we can do all this ourselves. We're not shortchanged. He said we can do it all, but we're not doing it. I mean, I'm not walking on water. I don't know about you, but no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm quite, not. I'm, I'm not I'm walking quite, on water at this point. I'm quite um, wet every time I try. <laughs> <laughs> I just sink. Um, then I float up to the top, uh, for the most part. But uh, yeah, we we just so everybody knows, we had a technical issue. Um, before, so we we had to switch up the the call to a, a, an alternative, which we have. But one of the things I was going to ask you when you were talking about vocalizations was um, Joe Rogan may have mentioned that he can make those sounds. He's an avid uh, uh, outdoorsman, and have you ever just approached him and said, 
you know, Joe, um, why don't you come up? Why don't you come up to Sierra Camp and you can experience it for yourself? No, I wouldn't do that. He, he has, he doesn't qualify to go up there, I don't think, number one. Well, <laughs> number two, I, nothing would probably happen anyway. And number three, I don't usually take people up there. I mean, I, right. I'm very careful who I let go into that camp. And I don't try to prove anything to Joe. I mean, he I was going to be on his program a few years ago, but uh, couldn't meet up at the right time when I was moving around. And so it didn't happen. But uh, he, uh, from the latest thing I've heard, he's, he's uh, not into believe in Bigfoot exists yet because he has to have the facts. He has to have, but he won't get out of his paradigm either. So, um, but enough about that. He's, he right, is what right. he is. He, you know, so many people in his camp and that's okay. You know, he's, he's probably very well listened to and, and a lot of people look, look to him for answers. And I just wish he'd keep an open mind on stuff because he obviously don't have one. And, uh, right. no, 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 I agree with that. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I think he's one of the better people out there, but, um, Again, a little bit too Hollywood and a little bit too, you know, he's, he's beholden. To, I like Joe and I think he's a really interesting guy. But when you're beholden to sponsors for things, yeah. you know, it makes the things a lot more difficult to kind of like, if, it, if it's not like you said, like Al said, like, like, hey, don't talk about, uh, don't talk about the woo-woo stuff. You know, let's, let's not talk about it. If you're beholden to somebody or someone has something that, that you need, uh, be it uh, money or backing, you're not going to, you know, throw yourself under the bus. So I don't blame him for that. But I also um, don't know what the influence is, why you would say something like that. I've heard the vocalizations. I've heard them firsthand, especially the whoops. And I'll tell you, I've been to, I know a lot of big guys, um, really big guys, you know, almost seven feet tall, 300 plus pounds, a lot, lot of force behind their, their, their speech and, the, and their patterns. And no one comes even closely remotely to what this thing could do. You, that's, you the one, yeah, that's the one thing I try to impress upon people is, is the amplitude in which they project this, these sounds. It's just right. jar you. I mean, really jar you. And sometimes you think there's a two-legged elephant walking right next to you out there, but you don't see it. <laughs> And you you got to wonder how how's that going on? Well, <laughs> well, that, and all these people who have right. these have these strange things, you know. Well, some people say, well, it's just a bear walking upright. Well, yeah, a lot of them are. But what if it's a Bigfoot walking up and they think it's a bear? I mean, come on, a bear doesn't run around on two feet. He might walk on two feet, but they don't run on two feet. <laughs> I've never seen one do that. But even yeah. so, they don't look like a bear. You know, bears got they're different. So what we were dealing with up there definitely wasn't a bear, but he seemed to think that uh, you know, he's calling these people out as, as they were mistaken. And uh, well, you know, it's it's funny when you mention the term bear because where we were in the woods, see, being in New York City, I don't have firearms. I don't have access to firearms. If I want to shoot something or or I don't go hunting personally. I'm not opposed to hunting whatsoever. I just don't. Um, but if I want to go shooting, I go down to my buddy's place in Virginia. We hit the NRA range and we go shooting. Um, I'd like to own a firearm, but they make it so difficult because I like practice. I like skeet and some other things. Um, that being said, when you go into some of these places, like where our hotspot is, because it's, it's in a, it's in a, uh, I think it's a state park or I think it's a state park. And then it borders the Appalachian trail there's, or, or it's a federal park. You can't, you're not allowed to have firearms in them and you, they will throw you in jail for firearms. So. You can kind of have them on the Appalachian Trail if you're if you so are, are licensed for it, 
but I don't have access to it. Most of the people in my team don't have access to it. We do have some uh, law enforcement people that do have access to those, but they don't bring them or I'm not aware of it. That, that's their burden thing. But that being said, we were there and when you hear this creature and it starts whooping and it starts, it's when it's walking up to where you are or around you, the best way to describe it is, is as, as if uh, an elephant is walking on the ground. And I say that because there have been some of those outdoor um, circuses and, and events where they, they have some of the exotic animals in Connecticut. Uh, they store some of the circus animals there. And when the elephant walked, you just kind of felt that walk. That's how much weight is being pressed in the ground uh, uh-huh. to, to when, when, you know, so when you mentioned elephant, I was like, oh my God, bingo. And then on top of that, when you get a bluff charge, now bears are known for bluff, bluff charges, um, but this sounds bigger than a bear. It's, it's very unnerving. So I, I agree. We, we're very about keeping people and being very selective of who you allow into your area because um, even though they may have nice intentions initially, you don't know what they have in the future. You don't know what their real intentions are for the uh-huh. most part. So I think that's, that's a very big – I applaud you for that. And uh, taking that. Well, that's that, why that. I, I allowed David to go. I've known David for years, David Pilates, and I, I went ahead and, come, uh, you know, I said, okay, after so long of him talking to me, how I could right. trust him. Well, I, knew, I, I knew he was solid. You know, he, he's, no, yeah. he's a no nonsense guy. And, and uh, I really like that about him. And anyway, I, uh, I took him in there, and I'm so glad I did because the whole area pretty much caught on fire right after we left. It was just. Uh, uh, one of those California fires. Right. I, I mean, that was devastating. I, I mean, um, it's part of nature. It does happen. Yeah. I don't know if this was a, a crime, though, if someone actually did it by... by no, I think it was just the way the ashes were blowing around because it was like 17 forest fires going on in California at the time, and it was smoky when we were there. There was no sign of any wildlife whatsoever right. the whole week we was there. And uh, anyway, it was uh, still a good trip, though. He did good filming, did good good project well i'm i'm definitely going to take a look at, at david's stuff um he's definitely well worth uh the view he's a great guy and he does a, a really good solid job on um on on the the what he he produces mm-hmm. this 411 series is just beyond belief um it's really great and i think it's fantastic that that he does what he does um that being said, I think I have, I, I hope I, I found this video. <laughs> um, but of course, it, it is, it is, it, you know, par for the course. I found it. I found two gigabytes worth of stuff. And I'm hoping it's going to come back up and give me some uh, love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask the gods up there. But when you started in going deeper into the, um, the you know, the, the, down that quantum rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. How did you get to Russia for this? You said, hey, I'm just going to go to Russia and talk to these scientists, or... Uh, no, they invited me over there. <clears throat> I went over there with uh, Dr. Benenegel and Dr. Meldrum, and uh, we were their guests, and they took us into Moscow, and we spoke at the Moscow uh, Museum of National Science. Right. Uh, they were, had a dinner with the senator of Moscow. It was quite a good trip, and they flipped the bill, and took us clear across the country into Siberia, and there was a big filming thing. And when people were filming us from everywhere except the United States. Nobody from the United States was filming us, so not surprising. But they had uh, witnessed uh, the uh, wild man, they call it over there. So that's what got me into Russia. And uh, 
got me acquainted with some Russian people over there, which is quite quite good. And uh, I want to mention something though, while we're sure. not changing the pace here just a second, but sure. it's our frequency again. You know, at night time, you know, the Earth has a frequency. At night, it like eight, eight hertz, something like that. And and when we at night, there's a lot of encounters in the evening time when we slow down, when our analytical mind stops working, and our vibrational frequency gets into that same alpha theta state. You know, where you're not asleep, but you're you're still awake. And that's the state. I think uh, we were a lot of us. A lot of us. Uh, there was only six of us involved all together, counting Alberry. And he wasn't there all that much, but he was there quite a bit, uh, uh, different times. But uh, I think that's what allows them, because I think they're on that frequency, just like animals are. They know how to migrate, they know where to go. It's all about frequency, energy, and vibration. So I want to go back, right back into Tesla's words there, because they're so cool, and it's so true. Uh, so I just want to put that out there, because I think that's why you, know, you had the encounter you did, because you're not trying to analyze things necessarily. Uh, people ask me, what do you do now? I, I sometimes don't even take a tape recorder. I don't care, and I'm not trying to get more information. I just want what I think I know out there to help people connect the dots, and maybe the people that are open-minded will start connecting the dots with their own experience and with their own uh, research. So uh, I'm all into that, just trying to help the situation because uh, I want to get mainstream science on board with this, and maybe they'll get to the... You're never going to get to the bottom of it if it's in quantum physics. You just understand right. it just got to understand it. You don't have to try to solve it. And, uh, so I asked these scientists I'm involved with on this string on the internet, somebody out there tell me how far it is to the end of the universe, and I'll answer some more questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, that just put a block right there. I think I'm yeah, off, their, like, they're off their site now because, whoops, he's out of the, he's out of the can. <laughs> but, you know, I'm an experiencer. I've experienced them. I, I, uh, I've I'm a researcher on that. I've been all over the world. I've been into Siberia. I've been into, like I said before, I've been into South America a couple of times on a couple of expeditions. I've been quite a few places, and I've, I've witnessed and I've researched and I've talked to a lot of people. And uh, I, I think somebody else should pay attention to what went on with us up there. Well, there's still one or two of us around alive that can talk about it because these scientists don't even want to question me. They just don't want to get into that area. You know, they're they're afraid they'll lose their tenure, they lose respect with academia society. They'll just they just they don't want to get there. They're they're coming from the standpoint of this is what I've been disciplined in, this is where I'm gonna stay in, and this is where it's gotta be, or else I'm not gonna look at it. And that and that's the problem with, that we have is that that they don't want to you know, like I said earlier, um, is that they're beholden to these people that pay their bills. And, you know, in the long run, we're still in a place where we have to live as human beings and take care of our families. And you lose your job. It's great that you got the truth, but you have no job. And now you have to feed your family and it, it becomes a problem. So I understand them pulling away from it. But I, I, um, I would assume that there's like an underground type of feeling between some of these scientists that kind of like, oh, God, I really want to talk about this, but I can't. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I know, I know a couple of them, they're, they're spiritual people. Well, everybody's spiritual, whether they like it or not. You're a spiritual being, in case in a body. But they're religious, too. You know, they, they, they really think they can go to church on Sunday, everything's going to be all right. Well, you've got you to gotta understand the difference between religion and spirituality. Cause some, some people are religious and spiritual or think, think they're spiritual, but then other people are just religious. They just go to Sunday, 
Sunday worship, and that's over. That's it for them. But I, when I couple uh, scriptures, biblical terms, uh, and also Greek mythology, Hebrew mythology into my book, you see how this has gone on for eons. People believe that there's more things out there. That, and anyway, I, I go off on a tangent like this. But. <laughs> no, but it's, it's important because, you know, one of the things we found that, that what, when we did our research, and we do our research, be it uh, paranormal-based or cryptid-based, you know, you'll get an area that gets reports and you're wondering what the heck's going on there. And then you're saying, okay, that, that's fine, but, you know, wh why is it taking place? We go there, we investigate, we don't find anything. And, of course, it could be the time of day, maybe our frequencies aren't right or, or what have you. But one thing that never fails with us is we take this little app with us and sometimes the physical object of uh, singing bells. And, you know, the singing bowls, the Tibetan mm -hmm. singing bowls. And what we do is we start we start using the singing bowls and we do different frequencies mm -hmm. and that just ramps up the energy. The frequencies start picking up and then all of a sudden it's almost like a key and it unlocks a door. And the next thing you know, we're having experiences with X, Y, and Z. Um, when we were doing this, our big, our investigation of this specific spot where we were, you know, the, the guy on my team, Al, he went out initially, they found these really weird quartz stones and I've noticed a correlation between quartz being in the same area where Bigfoot sightings are. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's an energy or like a battery because quartz can restore energy in it. Um, but we started doing little experiments with uh, crystals uh, near the stones. We started taking temperature readings. We put his, um, he has a, a crystal, uh, crystal skull um, made out of, um, I forgot what, what the actual um, mineral is. I have one made out of crystal. We put them together, and we, we were looking, at, looking for different changes and effects. I think our experiments, it's not to, to, to do anything to hurt these creatures, but I think it's more to say, you know, we believe in you. We just want to know what you are and yeah. have some kind of dialogue. That's what I do. I just want to understand more about them, uh, get them to come out and shake my hand or something. <laughs> they ever will. Uh, getting back to crystals, though, you know, our body has crystallization through our fascia, and we have a we're that they're finding out more and more about that, and how ever that's what lines your muscles in your body throughout your whole body. You got fascia, and it's a crystalline substance is in that fascia, which I think right. receives, and that's uh, that's also uh, why I think the whales, you know, they, their sperm whale has the biggest collection of fashion anywhere you know. that's how they they can receive and transmit too uh, uh, because they have that part about their biological entity that that allows them to receive information and i think if we understand more about how who we are as humans we'll understand more about what's really going on in the universe and things you around. know i think we're opening up though to that, that that type of world um i think people are more becoming more spiritual than actually following a specific doctrine they're, they're experimenting with Western type of, of, of um, and Eastern philosophies, and mm -hmm. it, they're finding a nice path. Um, we definitely need to resonate a little bit higher because this world's getting a little bit crazy on some of the things we're doing. Um, but I think the, the future look, is looking better, and I think with your book, The, quant, the, the, the Quantum Bigfoot, um, I think it's, it's important that you, you know, you stress to people to read this, and I'm going to stress to anybody or a mate that's a research investigator, read the book. Thank you. You need to read the book. Yeah. Of course, if they're in their box, they won't get out of it. You know? No, I know people. <laughs> they I mean, might. There's going to be a 
tons of these people. Yes, and the voices in the. In, yeah, yes. I wanted to show you this because this is my chronicle of doing it, and you can actually download sounds from this and oh. uh, hear some sounds. Uh, when I get to the context of sounds, you can uh, you can hear them. So anyway, it comes with that download in it, and uh, you can order it on Amazon, Kindle, wherever now, and uh, get the sounds with it. Just I, thought I'd throw I, that in yeah. there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, de- I was. We're going to get to that point right now. Um, I have a file that hopefully is is going to work. I'm going to have to try to do some some magic there and, and spend some love there. And uh, what I'm going to do is invite you right off the bat back on, um, probably in the new year if it's all right with you, because I I know Ron who uh, you guys met, Ron Murphy, at a, at a conference. And um, he, when I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be talking to you. He was like, oh, just tell him, you know, tell him I said hi. And he started going <laughs> into, you know, that we, the guys, you guys were like driving around, tooling around like a couple of teenagers over in wherever the conference was. But he definitely goes, oh, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to talk to him again. And I, said, I think it'd be great because I'd like to bring this back up again um, and get, you know, get your take and his take on it because he has... He has a different perspective. He's in Western PA. I'm in New York. It, you know, and talk about different cryptids. I mean, the Bigfoots on both ends of that spectrum are mm. be very different. So I would welcome you back onto the Inside the Goblin Universe program. And hopefully we will never have any more of these technical difficulties whatsoever. <laughs> so I apologize in advance for that. But let's, let's how can people uh, get in touch with you if they want to know more about this or get, the, get uh, you know, get you on their programs as well. Well, that can reach me out uh, through my website, ronmoorhead.com, and uh, Bigfoot Sounds gets you there too.com. But uh, I, uh, I'm easy to get a hold of. I mean, I, I got a Facebook page, Ronald J. Moorhead. That's one O, by the way, M-O-R-E-H-A-D, just like the book says. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I try to get back to everybody. It's sometimes difficult because I get so many daily really i get a lot of questions and a lot of people wanting different things so i try to do the best i can to uh, stay neutral I, I don't come down on the eight people i call them eight people because they won't get out of their eight box <laughs> but, but i uh i appreciate what they do because you get some very professional people that's involved in this and even this new series that just came out you know it's it's going to bring it to the forefront i applaud uh, these people that are doing this uh, bigfoot stuff and uh, again, I get uh, Skyped and ask a lot of times for production on, on what I do, but then when I really get into what I do like this, well, right. somebody aces it out because of, uh, of the quantum aspect of it. They can't get into that. So I think I'm just going to produce it myself. I can say what I, I want to say and do the cuts where I want it. Otherwise, what you want to say goes on the editing room floor. <laughs> well, you know. It's it's. I think that's what we have to do now because that's why podcasting became very picked up a lot by a lot of people because mm. mainstream is not grasping and really getting the information out that they really need to get out. It doesn't. I'm also always, yeah. yeah. I'm also uh, speaking at Mufon groups too. You know, mutual right. UFO network. I uh, spoke at a couple of them in Southern California recently, and I got another one next month. And uh, it's bringing the. Uh, the element or the component possibly of alien intervention, which is part of history. And I don't, I, you know, you got to consider that now, now that everybody wants to believe it because for a long time it was concealed. I think our government conceals a lot of stuff. I'm not real proud of what they do, but they do it for a reason because if this information gets out of what these things really are and what, what's going on, well, 
it's going to scare a lot of people. It's going to throw a whole kink into uh, Darwinism. It's going to throw a kink into religions, a lot of religions. And a lot of religious people, you know, they're stuck. They, they've been there since they were four years old, and they, they can't get out of that. And I know a lot of them that just won't get out of that box yeah. and uh, stretch their mind out a little bit. They don't realize that you can actually bring what, what was said in those ancient times and ancient texts into your real life and realize that when Christ said, I wish that all could be one with the Father as I am one with the Father, you know, what does that mean? We become one, like we are one. He was right. one. Once we become one, we get access to a lot of stuff and do that through what we didn't discuss, which is the pineal gland, I think. And that's oh, opens you know up the head. <laughs> you I, want to do I, that, I, don't you? <laughs> you got time? We, 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 should, we should talk about the pineal gland if, if you'd like. Um, uh, I think it's actually very important, uh, the pineal gland. Um, if in this book it goes into a lot more details, but I'm going to let you take over. Um, tell if you can just discuss about it, and then the importance of it would be great. Well, it's called the third eye, the eye of Horus. Uh, you know, Egyptians have it displayed on their pectoralis. Uh, I lose you again. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't lose me. I sorry. Uh, I went. To, I went. I went off the video just to, to focus okay. on you. Uh, well, I, I'll just briefly hit on it because it's sure. it's, it's pretty much detailed. But the pineal gland is right inside your head. It used to be connected through the eye, it's called a third eye, but we only see with these two eyes, but we have a third eye, which I think can collect information from the universe, basically, and that's God, if you want to call God energy, his energy. And by the way, God's plural, I don't know if you know that or not, the word God is plural in the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, so what has happened to us? We are hybrids, if you really want to get into it, and that's where another place I go off with religion, because uh, they, they don't understand this, you know, that you know, the pineal gland's there, and it's part of what you really need to think of what these ancients were talking about. It's being able to see through that, and you do that by getting rid of your conscious thought. You know, you're getting in the alpha state of trying not to figure things out. Just be simple. That's how you make contact with these things, too. Just try to be simple. Once you start trying to trick them and all that, chances are pretty slim that you're going to have anything happen. Or it's going to be an accident, like, like the Patterson film was an accident. You know, they just right. have to be there uh, with a camera. And that's uh, that's groundbreaking, and I think what what we have with this language thing, because some people can't buy into the fact that they have language, you know. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> what gives you language? Sapiens gives you language. We are Homo sapiens sapiens, and that's what gives us language. The the hyoid bone, which is right here, which is connected through the nervous system into the brain. Everybody has a hyoid bone, but not capable of speech like we have. And when you get into what really causes speech, and these things have speech, that puts it right into hybridization again. I think. And because uh, they can talk, at least what I encounter can talk. I'm not saying all of them can talk because I don't think they're all the same, as I said before. Uh, so I think the pineal gland is very important to clean it up. We've been calcifying it all our life with our diets. And if you get off of that and get into non-GMO stuff and get into natural things and just get away from this crap they give you in grocery stores and different places <laughs> like that, you know, and start trying to decalcify your pineal gland, which I get into that a little bit in my book too, and, and so you can have a clear perception of things. And without that, because it gets calcified, it, it's shown that they're calcified. Your pineal gland and most all humans are calcified, and it's from the diets we got. And really, you got to get that out of the way. you got to reconnect that third eye so you can sense things and receive. You can receive through the pineal gland, and you transmit through prayer, if you want to call it prayer, because everything you say in a way is prayer because you're creating something with your voice. Uh, I can go on forever and ever about that. <laughs> probably out of time. Uh, yes. 
we, we're, uh, we're running a little bit short, but I definitely want would love to have you back on the, the broadcast of the program, definitely with Ron in there as well, so we can get this going uh, properly and get you know get more information going. I think what we'll start with is the is the, the penal gland the, and and go into like how that is is central. Actually, if you go if you take that just that alone, it, it hits Western and Eastern philosophies, and it really can change your it can make your life a lot better. One of the mm-hmm. things I do to actually declar- uh, uh, calcify is I take iodine. Um, I'm not, yeah. I can't do the fish thing personally, um, but I do take iodine, and it's it's great. I notice your energy gets up uh, a lot more. You're, um, you just feel better. You're more aware of what's going on. And I think this world would be a nicer place and a better place if we were to uh, open that uh, third eye up and start seeing from people that we're all human beings we're all in the same spot um that's what's uh, you know that's my little uh psa for the moment <laughs> you said some other things earlier that i want to just hit on real quick sure no 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 the keyword the key the keyword and the key feeling that you got to get is caring for other people love that's that's the main thing in this whole thing and that's what some of these ancients taught is caring for other people loving because if you have a harsh feelings and negative feeling you want to shoot somebody you want to hurt somebody you're not going to go anywhere you know, you got. If you really want to get somewhere and advance who you are as a human being, you need to create a love and a caring in your in your in your lifestyle. And uh, a lot of people have that, but a lot of people say they have it, but they don't show it. And I'm just saying uh, that's what it takes. I think that's the key word. <laughs> and yeah, no, it, it's actually very important because um, it, it gets a little bit corny, and some people don't want to hear it this way. But it's it's the truth. Love is what makes everything go around. It gives you such a, 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 a an over exuberance and a, and a high, a natural high when you know in life. And if we treated people with a lot more respect, who knows where we can go? We only use what maybe ten percent of our, our our abilities as human beings. Some a little bit, you know, like maybe maybe ten percent max on, on even the best of the best. Imagine what what could happen if we use twenty percent. Imagine if we open up our hearts and, and this love. And we've taken things and, you know, our, I think our possibilities are limitless. Just like uh, the God said, you know, I, I made man in my image. I think, and I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything sacrilegious here. I think what he was saying is we, you have the abilities to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you open up your heart and your mind to that, which is love, you're going to be, you're going to get there faster. And then once you raise your vibration, you're just going to look back on, oh, we were so foolish, you know, but you'll be at a higher rate anyhow. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I, I apologize about the technical difficulties uh, uh, 100%. It happens. And definitely would love to please come back on. Um, I'll have Ron on. Now we'll have two people giving you questions if, if you got a Good. moment to do that. Um, yeah. And we'll look for it sometime in the new year. But I want to wish you and the family a blessed new year. I'm going to be promoting the heck out of your book. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, um, I appreciate that. I can't thank you enough. Well, it's nobody but me. We're on your station, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is nobody but you. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you again you asking me to be on. I really enjoy this. I, it, it's a pleasure. I, I mean, I'm, I'm giddy like a little kid. Um, my kids are going to be like, why are you smiling so much? I'm like, they won't understand who I, you know, it's like... <laughs> I say, uh, I say it again. You are a legend in this field. You are one of the forefathers of this research. 
and what you've been doing. And it was unintentional initially. It's just like, hey, let's go hunting. We'll hang out. And, but that's how the best things happen in this world. And I, I can't thank you enough for being for doing what you're doing and uh, having your family do what they do too to allow this. Oh, to I'm humbled that you asked me. Thanks again. Yeah. I thank you. You have a blessed Christmas. Happy New Year. You too. And we'll talk soon. Okay. That's okay. Bye. Thank you very much. And that's pretty much the show, everybody. Um, I do appreciate uh, Ron Moorhead being on the show. Please run out. Run out. You don't have to run out. If you have any type of electronic device, get it on a Kindle. It's it's an Amazon Kindle. Go to Amazon. You can, you can pick it up. It's a fantastic book. It's an easy read. It's a great read. But most importantly, it's an informative read. And uh, we're going to have Ron back on with Ronald J. Murphy. Uh, well, yes, Ronald L. Murphy. Sorry. Uh, we're going to have a lot of Rons there, so it's going to be interesting. <laughs> and we're going to get him on, and we're going to be talking about the Christian Guru because, you know, it's, it's an important subject. And maybe we'll see if we get Dave Palladies on as well. That would be pretty interesting if you're up for that. Um, but until next time, nobody but me, and we'll see you. Bye. Hey, this is Brian Bowden. I want to extend a deep thanks to Purple Planet. You guys rock. You're listening to Nobu Boomi, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. The opinions expressed on Nobu Boomi are of that of the host and his guests. <laughs>